This podcast is produced by Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency. The Collective Us, an NMCAA podcast, focuses on inspiring you through stories of those we've helped through our programming or by linking local resources to community members in need. Join us as we learn about the programs offered through NMCAA and how we touch people's lives every day. Money is what makes our world go round, and it's a good reminder to take investing and saving seriously to build financial stability and prepare for the future. That's right. Making small changes, I think, to our daily habits can reap great financial benefits. And Allison, here we go. Returning guest, we start with you. What are some of the things to talk with your clients about in terms of starting by switching a mindset, which I think may be a first step. And what do you talk to them about switching their mindset to allow them to start saving versus spending? We absolutely start with being honest with yourself, making that good, hard reflection. Look in the mirror. What can I fix? What am I doing wrong? Where can I do better? Everybody kind of knows what they can do better. It's hard to admit it out loud sometimes, but even if you start with not admitting it out loud, (laughs) it's a good starting point. If you don't recognize the habits that you need to change, you will never change them because you can't expect someone to do it for you. Mm -hmm. So you start with one of the hardest things to do. Yes. Which is quite frankly to, to, and is that a process where you found over time that that is the place to start because you can't succeed if you do not truly start there? Yes, it is. It's 100% the first step. I think that kind of mentality goes in a lot of different areas of life where you can go through the motions, you can do the work, but if you aren't really ready to make a change, it's not going to happen. It's not going to be consistent. Yeah. So Leah, you and I talked a couple of weeks ago um, when we were meeting about how when a client is looking for services through our home repair program, Mm -hmm. which is within our HEAST department, they have to meet certain financial requirements. Can you tell us what those are and what happens if they don't meet those financial requirements? Yeah, to qualify for our home repair program, that is an emergency home repair program, which uh, we help families fix up any emergent needs in their homes, such as broken furnaces, water heaters, new septic fields, anything that would make the home unsafe and emergent, right? And part of our application process is income qualifying them, right? And they have to be up to date on their taxes, up to date on their mortgage if they have one, and then also up to date on insurance as well. So they have to have valid homeowner's insurance. And if the issue with the home is causing them not to have insurance, then we just need a letter from the insurance company stating that it'll be reinstated once the work is done, right? So they have to have those three things lined up in order to qualify for a program. But sometimes we do have people who are behind on their taxes and we have to work with our lovely friends at financial management services to help them get back up to date on their taxes and everything. So partner with them, make sure that, you know, they're getting their taxes paid and up to date. So that internal referral is, you know, from he's to FMS. That's great. Yeah. One of the biggest things that I see, whether they start with FMS or do I need to use the full? <laughs> well, as far as acronyms go, we enjoy acronyms. Can yeah. you say what it what it means? Yeah. If they start in FMS or financial management services, mm-hmm. they a lot of times they will express concerns or needed repairs in their home. But if they are on a fixed income 
or have had to cut costs somewhere, homeowners insurance is often one of the first things get, can get cut from a budget. And it's discouraging and disappointing to see because um, the time will come for a needed home repair or, God forbid, like a fire or, you know, something where you really need the insurance to step in mm-hmm. and they don't have it. And so it's really great when Leah or someone else from the He's team. (laughs) (laughs) Housing and Energy Efficiency Services. Thank you. (laughs) You know, when they can refer someone over to us and start the process Mm -hmm. from them to us, you know, I think it can work both ways. Absolutely. And we actually just had a scenario this just past week where we helped a client get caught up on their taxes utilizing certain funds to get oh, them. Uh, yes, it did. It did. So, uh, wow, revelation here. That's great. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to get them moving along with our home repair programs. Wow. Yeah. I love that. They have a, a refer, you know, right now. Allison, Allison, you look genuinely <laughs> thrilled that this yeah. worked out. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> I ta- love the whole internal process, being mm-hmm. able to get someone the most they can get from NMCA. And that must be thrilling for the client. Obviously, that's a big weight off. And we talk a lot on the show about wraparound services. And this is really one of those instances where NMCAA is working as a whole organization Mm -hmm. and it keeps coming up. It takes so many to do some of these things that are complicated. Can you think of any other instances in your respective departments where an internal referral takes place? Yeah. Benefiting a client? Definitely. With Meals on Wheels, you know, they go to people's homes, right? And they're seeing somebody may not have a fridge, right? And that's an emergency. So they will reach out to us, see what funding is available and everything. And we'll reach out and try to work with the client. Or there have been instances too, like with Head Start, right? Families needing services that have small children. We work with Head Start to get the word out about our program. So that way we can assist as many people as possible. That's amazing. I think I feel like Lisa, when we had her on in the past, our Meals on Wheels manager, I believe she actually mentioned something around the refrigerator thing. Yeah. Um, did, it, did you recall and that? Yes. <laughs> and, and, I, and it was that, that piece, at least for me, where the delivering of a meal wasn't just the mission. It was mm-hmm. observing yeah. the surroundings and oh, reporting yeah. on something that may be unsafe for that client, mm-hmm. which... Yeah, it it means a lot because it can be easy just to be focused on that one mission, but you're not. You're focused on, you know, taking care of the person and the families as a whole. The wraparound services of NMCAA feels like a big hug to me. (laughs) It it does, especially when when you gesture like that. It's not a visual medium, but you can feel the wraparound. Yeah, the wraparound. Okay, so there are statistics that were reported by Ramsey Solutions, you know, Dave Ramsey, in June of 2023 that state some staggering information regarding Americans and their financial situations. I'd like to just share some of them with you and get your take. So first, when asked about the overall state of their personal finances, 30% of Americans said they're either struggling or in crisis. Reactions? I I think that sounds about right. Yeah. It, it seems a little low to me. That's I what I was thinking. I'm like, that's a very small number compared to... I've, really? Yeah. yeah. I've really found with the pandemic, mm-hmm. it brought out a whole demographic of households who wouldn't have normally even needed our services. And then they found themselves maybe with a loss of income because COVID and they really have not had the chance to like build an emergency fund or budget. And 
they're finding themselves in with a financial barrier and really nowhere to go. Mm -hmm. Interesting. I wonder if this is a case of, as we talked about in a previous episode, you know, what stopped somebody from not getting water for a while? It was a little bit of personal shame in that. So could yeah. there be some of that unreported this is a new struggle to me and I'm embarrassed and I'm not going to say that I'm in crisis. You know, yeah. there could be some of that too, which, which you may face this, this can be personal. It can be sensitive. It's and sensitive. Not and then talk about that. the application process too. It is lengthy. I, I won't lie about that, but we do have to cover our bases and make sure that sure. we understand all of the needs of the client and uh, obviously follow the government guidelines. Right. And it can be quite daunting having, you know, somebody sure. send in all of this documentation and, you know, what if, you know, technology, uh, they don't have access to the technology and things that they need in order to get it moving. So then they almost get like application, like frozen, I guess is sure. a term that we've used in certain aspects and, you know, it, and they become frozen in the sense of like, well, this is just too much. So we always say like, if you need the help, like we can come out there to visit. We have ways to assist the client in regards to getting all the documentation that we need, but yeah, it can so be your overloading. frozen. Yes. I like this term yeah. because I, I've been there before. There's the futility, like, is this worth it? You mm -hmm. start to analyze it. Yeah. But, and here's another trend with, with NMCAA. I believe that if your application frozen and you call, mm -hmm. somebody will assist you. Yes. Yeah. It may be, it will definitely be on the phone in person, or maybe like you said, in home. We've so gone out to homes before. Yeah. Like don't get application frozen. Keep going. And mm -hmm. it's so important to know, like we're not here to sh publicly shame anyone. Mm -hmm. We keep everything so confidential. We don't even really share in between departments unless yeah. we have the customer permission. Wow. And That's so mm -hmm. it's very easy to feel kind of exposed in the process, but yeah. it's only to like be able to check boxes and report demographics. Yeah. And that's it. And then it just stays between mm -hmm. your caseworker, your whatever, and, and get you through the process. Yeah, that's great. So let's move to the next statistic. A sizable majority of married couples, 64%, say they've completely combined their finances and only use shared bank accounts. Oh, boy. Um, There's a visual I, reaction there. I am one of those statistics. I have completely shared bank accounts with my husband, so yeah. I, 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 as I well. would agree with I, that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about your reaction, though, Leia. I, I, I guess, uh, well, me being single is a Pringle here, right? Uh, <laughs> it's hard to wrap my mind around combining finances with somebody else at this moment in time. Uh, but uh, I guess, you know, I've just, I've been involved with our, in some days. Ramsey groups and everything like that sure. myself. And, you know, I've been seeing on social media or like a current trend, I guess, like with my age group is that people are starting to have like their own bank accounts and stuff like that and keeping their finances separate from, uh -huh. you know, their partner and everything. Uh, obviously, the most common method that I've been seeing is each person has their own bank account, but then there's a shared one for sales. Yes. As well, just yeah. in like, and I think that that works. That's great. I think you yeah. have to find what works for you in your relationship. Mm -hmm. But I think ultimately in a marriage, you just have to have the same financial goals. Yes. In, yeah. in order to make whatever you choose work. Because, you know, you are dealing at times with individuals, families, couples, which can complicate things. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. I mean, aside from, you know, how any of these stories could become a reality TV show, maybe yeah. if it goes the wrong way. 
And plus their backgrounds too, right? You know, someone can come from a different financial status compared to the other person. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that how it's being handled and, you know, obviously communication, right? Between. And statistically, (laughs) it's the number one stressor in marriages or or, or cause of fights is is money. So you're just, it's like, how do you deal with that? that? That could also be like hiding spending in your separate bank account. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. under the guise of, you know, it's your gift account or, you know, the birthday, you know, things <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. I get it. But I, I think that was a fascinating statistic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's interesting. Okay. And so this is the last one for you. 38% of homeowners are having issues paying their mortgages, while 50% of Americans are having difficulty making their monthly rent. Don't get me started. <laughs> no, I think that, I mean, please come to Homebuyer Education to learn more. But there is a lot to be said about how property taxes are calculated and how surprising it can be to see your escrow payments increase and not be prepared for it. And the number one thing I believe not a researched opinion, but I believe that has made mortgages unaffordable is escrows in shortages in their escrows. Mm. So that just means they have recalculated the value of the home, decided they were not collecting enough for your property tax payment. And so they decide to increase that payment and in turn increase your monthly mortgage and make it unaffordable. And this isn't a question that we had prepared, but I'm curious at what point do you get to and maybe i don't know if this is the right way to word this but go for it articulate so so i'm thinking like about renting so like if you're renting and you get to a certain point you're like okay i've been renting for you know x number of years and i feel like i'm just paying so much to rent at what point do they go i don't know if you can even answer it what point do you go like i should be just i should buy a house at this point is there is there There is one of my favorite memes out there I don't know word for word what it says, but it it's like the lender's talking for us and it's like, oh, we can't qualify you for a mortgage. So you need to continue paying $1,400 a month mm-hmm. instead of this $800 mortgage. <laughs> I feel like I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. And, a lot of um, graphics that can go with that. You know, it's, it is a big financial decision. And unfortunately, if you haven't been preparing with your credit, your savings for a down payment, you could find yourself not in a position where you would be considered mortgage ready. Yeah. And I guess there's a lot more factors to it than just like the money for rent versus money for a for mortgage. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, there's a lot to it's it. It's a frustrating it's thing just... where you consistently afford a large rent payment every month and you get told you can't qualify to make a mortgage payment. Would that be a great reason to come to homebuyer education? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> okay. So Allison, on the last episode, you talked about a client, I believe Shannon was the client who went through our IDA or individual development account program who was saving to buy a home. How does IDA differ from FFS or family self-sufficiency program that we have? FSS is the family. Oh, did I say it wrong? Sorry. Yes. FSS. Yes. You, you said the non-acronym version correctly, family self-sufficiency. Perfect. Acronyms. Acronyms. <laughs> there are actually a lot of differences in those. You don't actually enroll in FSS through NMCAA. Okay. You are referred by MISHTA, the Michigan State Housing Development Authority. They, MISHTA issues 
rental assistance vouchers. They are called housing choice vouchers, HCVs. They provide payment assistance towards your rent. When you are on this voucher program, you are offered an additional program called financial self-sufficiency. Actually, I think it's family self-sufficiency. Uh, we ha- we have it written as family self-sufficiency. Family, yes. Yeah. See, I yeah. said it wrong. <laughs> yeah, family self-sufficiency. Cool. My brain told me it was wrong yeah. as soon as I said it. <laughs> so you're offered the FSS program, which I don't want to get too dry with explaining it, but basically the incentive of it is to increase your earned income and you are provided a savings account as your income grows. So when Mishta's paying or assisting with $200 of your rent and you increase your income, your rental assistance amount will go down. You will get maybe $100 paid into your rent. And then they take that previous extra $100 in assistance and they put that into a savings account for you instead. So it is not really, it's not a savings account you necessarily manage. It's actually, not to confuse our previous term escrow, it's called an escrow account. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done. And it's, you know, it clearly, when you enroll in the program, you get more clearly defined timelines and outcome expectations. But that's the elevator speech of it where you well, just... And it's not dry, especially if it's something that helps somebody. And and I think that $200 is the $200 that just stops somebody from being able to save. Like in mm-hmm. they're stretched as much as they can be And like going out to McDonald's is a gift that day. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's real for people here. And so if you can get that little bit of a foothold, then like, you know, the dawn starts to come a little earlier and oh, it's yeah. a little brighter. People have graduated from this program with thousands saved. Uh, I yeah. think the highest that I've heard of is like $17,000. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And I know that person went on to use that for a down payment for a home. That's so, a I mean, it really. Story. That's real. Yeah. That's real. Yeah. yeah. That's so, I mean, the IDA program is, I see the similarities, but it's more, I want to say like a self-motivated it's self-perpetuating thing. in a sure. way because yeah. it helps you create that that freedom it helps you again that little toehold can be what it takes to help you know get get up the mountain if we yeah. continue on the metaphor yeah. path yeah. sorry sure. no. and when we when you <laughs> take like our money management workshop it we use the term pay yourself first for saving so really it's meant to help you develop that savings habit and we make goals with the customers in the program and figure out how to get to those goals and reach it. But really, ultimately, it's meant to find yourself five years outside of our IDA program and still saving on a monthly basis and having that emergency fund so you don't have to turn to debt when you find yourself with an expense that you have not planned for. Awesome. I'm going to let you take the next question. (laughs) Leah, I am really fascinated by minutiae. And what somebody like you has to do on a day to day, because we talk a lot on this show about inspirational work, but there's a lot of things that just have to get done. So what are some of the things that you do on the daily just to help, you know, maybe there are little things, but just things that your day to day that helps your clients? Yeah. So I uh, work on 
a plethora of things, right? So main thing is making sure that the contractors are getting paid, utilizing all the different funding sources that we have, right? Coordinating with the contractors, clarifying invoices, making sure that the clients are understanding what they're getting into when they sign on to these projects. For example, our home repair program, if you are utilizing our emergency home repair program, and the cost of the project is more than $2,500, then by the program guidelines, we have to put a lien on the home. But it is a 0% no interest deferred monthly payment loan. So the amount that you're taking out isn't due until the transfer of ownership of the home, right? Mm -hmm. Or the home is being up for sale. you have to explain, for example... Things like this. Mm-hmm. Lean on the home. Yes. And everybody's like, oh. Exactly. So, so you had to go right into that yes. so fast. Yes. I see this practiced like you're going to be okay. Yes. But I see you being very good at this. Yes. Again, everybody should be in the room right now and, and oh. see this, but like... So, but you have to do big things like that. Yes, thank you. Yes, we call them pre-construction conferences. So we will literally go out to the client's home, take pictures of whatever the repair needs to be done. And I have this packet of documents where I walk them through the process of what they're getting into, how to deal with the contractor in regards to if any issues arise and everything. Contractor's responsibility, the client's responsibility in holding up the agreement, explaining how we file things with the counties and everything like that. Because I have to record the mortgages with the counties, right? So that way when the house is up for sale, the title company or whoever can pull that information about the lien being on the property, right? So explaining what they're getting into and the terms and conditions of it, but then also helping people who are ready to pay off their loan as well by being that liaison between the client and the county, making sure, oh, were there any double checking to make sure if there were any payments made or helping them get that payoff set up so that way we can discharge the mortgage and not have it attached to their name anymore. So do people ever like pay it off before selling the home? Yes, actually. I've, um, there, this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, 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 that's, uh, actually, um, we kind of strongly encourage it because, you know, most of the times when we do receive payoffs, unfortunately, it's due to a death of the homeowner, right? And so the house becomes up for sale and then it's willed to a family member of some sort. And now here's a cool catch is that if someone does pass and the house is up for sale, but it gets left to somebody, that person, if they are income eligible and have the intention of staying in the home as their primary residence, can actually assume the mortgage so they don't have as long as they're income eligible and fill out an application and everything. So that can transfer on over to them so that way they don't have to make any payments, which is pretty cool. It relieves a little bit of stress and everything, but we do strongly encourage like, hey, if you get a big tax refund or something, just send the county like, you know, some some big chunks of money so that way it can reduce your payment. So when it does come time, you're not sitting with a $25,000 loan to pay back within 45 days. Right. So that's a pinch. That's just a bit. Yeah, just a bit. Yeah. Wow. There's so many (laughs) angles. And if they're behind on property taxes, then refer them over back over to us. And that is something too, right? Is that I explained to them, hey, you need to be up to date in insurance, mortgage, and taxes. And we get notifications about all of that as well if they have a lien with us. So what we do is if we see that, you know, they're behind on their taxes and everything, if they have a lien on the property, then we reach out to FMS and get them set up so that way we can get them caught up so we don't have to make the loan due and payable. Yeah. As just uh, having somebody helping in a situation like this yeah. has to feel so good on the other end. I know. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not like, I, I I mean, I pay my bills, but I'm like, not like the financial guru by any means. So like hearing you guys talk is like, oh, that's a lot but, for me. But like, 
I, I, I'm not that far away and I can admit it, not that far away from or the memory of a struggle. Like, yeah. and, and we talked on the last episode, at least recording of relatability, you know, and this is something that everybody can relate to, but you more than any, and to yeah. be able to just have that hand to be like, this is heavy stuff. As you're talking, I'm like, I don't know any of this. I, that's how I feel. Like, I'm like, who? I should, are, because yeah, I'm a grown-up. I mean, <laughs> I I am not at this agency in the role I am because I am perfect with my budget. Like, I have my guilty pleasures. Is that a problem? I, so oh. anybody sees what you do and assumes? <laughs> right. Do, oh Sometimes God. I feel that way because I just, I want to be like, no, I'm not perfect. I am just trying to... Make sure you know all the things I wish mm-hmm. I knew before I got myself into trouble. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> all your dedication goes to your clients. All yeah. that knowledge yeah, exactly. and whatever like, remains for you, yeah. you give it, you know, as every you can. Money, every money management workshop, home buyer ed workshop, I talk about how I need to stop ordering DoorDash. <laughs> oh, well, and, and speaking no, of, that's me too. <laughs> speaking of workshops, there's a lot of workshops offered through NMCA for money management. Homebuyer education, you've talked about this a little bit. And if you could talk to maybe what's coming up, you know, in the summertime, in the next few weeks, but why go? You know, what are they what are they getting? What are they taking away? What's the experience like? You know, you said it's they're respected. You may be there with others that you can connect with. So like if anybody's maybe intimidated to go, maybe, you know, let in what's that feel like? What's the room feel like? You know, what's the experience like? Yeah, I mean, I just feel like it's an important step to take, whether it's money management or home buyer education, because of the resources that are shared with you. Mm-hmm. If you learn one thing in that class, then it makes me very happy that you joined us. <laughs> it's like whether it's escrow shortages in your property taxes or all the different ways you can start attacking your debt in money management. It's like, I just want you to take something away from it. I want you to know something you didn't know before you came in. And I want you to maybe tell a friend. (laughs) I think that, you know, what the, the Dave Ramsey following does is, you know, they talk about it with their friends. They get other people excited about saving or budgeting or whatever the case may be. And it's just something that builds. And it's just like, diet and exercise. Like you can talk about it until you're blue in the face, but if you don't start doing it, it's never going to start. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, too painfully relatable too. And and yeah. sometimes it's taking that first step. It's that start the tomorrow mentality. Step. And like, it sounds maybe corny, but taking that first step or that first call mm-hmm. and going, whoa, there's a person here. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. I'm, I'm in for the next step of the journey. Yeah. Oh, that's fascinating. And like something that I want to see out of our customers and services is just more incentive for the customers in the community when they're planning ahead, when they're like, oh, I see my income going down in the summer when I'm off work, if you're a teacher or if you have a seasonal job where you can come to our services and we can help you plan it out or we can help you budget, or even if you have a financial barrier, we can help you find the resources that can get you through Mm -hmm. and keep going forward. What's coming up in the next few weeks? And how do you register? Is there a cost for some of these things like that as well? 
We do have an upfront fee for our workshops. We never want the cost to be the barrier for you taking the class. So if you find yourself hesitant because of the cost, then please contact our intake line by calling the main office, 231-947-3780. They'll get you connected to our intake and they will just collect your last 30 days household income and be able to register you for the workshop at no cost. And then the home buyer ed does cost $75 or $99 if you choose the self-paced e-home version. The money management workshop costs $20 or $35 if you choose the self-paced version. We can get you connected to that again through our intake or through our website. Well, that, so there's different options. Yes, there's no wrong way to take our workshop. We have something for everyone. <laughs> Is the self-paced p- paste? Is that, that sounded funny to me. Is I know, but it's not paste like glue. I know. That's why I was like, wait a minute. But paste like paste. Yeah. Is We're that all like human. A... Isn't it great? We all, yeah. Oh my goodness. Is that like a online version or what is Can you tell us more about that? It is. It is online. Um, I'm just picturing self <laughs> I know. As um, soon as it came out of my mouth, I was like, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, I, I, I felt it too. Weird. Yeah. We've been doing this already too long. Um, <laughs> it's it, You can access it through our website or it's ehomeamerica.org forward slash NMCAA. And you just choose your course. We offer e-home, e-money, and we do have a foreclosure class on that website that is at no cost to anyone if you are finding yourself at risk of losing a home behind on your housing payments you can go take that workshop at no cost to give you a better idea of what the delinquency foreclosure process looks like and get connected to a coach in that regard as well perfect um leah Our housing and energy efficiency services and our financial management services are working together on something else as well. Both departments are recipients of the Poor for More grant. And you and I have worked on this a little bit together. Can you tell us what it is and how people in the community can help us? Yeah, so Poor for More is a really cool organization that partners with local breweries and wineries in uh, the downtown Traverse City area um, to get together and have a special wine or beer on the menu that's dedicated to Pour For More. And with, with that being said, Pour For More picks out six nonprofits every year to receive donations from the Pour For More fund. And every time you buy a specific Pour For More beer or wine or whatever their specialty drink is uh, for the for the program and everything. For yes. Pour For More. Yeah, for Pour For More. <laughs> Difficult yes. for real. Yes, but for every drink purchased, a dollar gets put into the pot, and then at the end of the year, it gets divided up between the six nonprofits and organizations. So we've partnered up together. The HEAST Department and FMS have partnered so that way we can try to obtain more funds for our emergency home repair program and the laundry project. And every time I go to places like Rare Bird or Workshop, I always make sure that I get a beer from them to support. So if you're heading out to any of these local breweries, you can also find, I believe it's Pour for More. 
org is yes. that the website yeah. i think <laughs> don't quote me on that <laughs> <laughs> well, we may have to look that up i don't quick. have wi-fi here. No, but <laughs> but if you go there you can find all the venues mm-hmm. there's i believe like 12 or 15 venues mm-hmm. so if you ask for the poor for more drink it will help benefit nmca which i think is really cool you are correct yeah. on that website poorformore.org perfect verified yeah <laughs> <laughs> So that's really interesting, and it's a fun project that I think that mm-hmm. uh, NMCAA is to you know tied together with those two departments. Let's see. If I may, yeah. If someone were interested in reaching out regarding services, whether he's or FMS, mm-hmm. what ways could they do that, and what's the best way? Phone call to the main office for HEAS. Uh, it's a phone call. We have an email inbox set up too that goes directly to our intake um, specialist. Uh, it's HEAS, H-E-E-S, intake at nmcaa.net. They can also go online to our website. Under the home repair tab, we have a spot on each of our pages in the HEAS department where um, you can fill out a pre-screening form that you fill out general information about you, your demographics, your situation, and then a specialist will reach out once the form is received. So this is, again, to reiterate, this comes up a lot on the show, mm-hmm. a call and a person will connect with you and it's okay. Yes. Yeah. It, it happens and it's okay this day and age and it's probably going to be somebody here and will connect you to the right thing potentially that day. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yeah. That's and awesome. it's great. And our intake specialists, they're, they're amazing. As soon as they get a client's contact information, they're right on it and reaching out to them immediately. And they're so warm, welcoming. They're here to listen, get your story and everything. And we're trying to look at the client holistically. We're just trying to find all the ways to make their lives just a little bit better. Shout out their names. Alicia and Kathy. They are fantastic. It's oh, <laughs> perfect. And Allison, um, what's the best way to reach the FMS department? A lot of the same through our website. We actually have a portal where you can create a profile and you can reach out, upload documents through that portal. And we have the ability to call, text, email. That text line is 231-714-4578. Our email is fmsintake at nmcaa.net. And then our amazing intake specialist is Emily. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and I did want to, we talked about front lines and intake and referrals earlier, but I did want to shout out like the intake frontline crew. They all have the biggest hearts and they care so much about the customers they're speaking with. They are the first point of access and I mean, we wouldn't have the ability to serve anyone without them. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of covid We kind of started a Zoom call because we weren't in the office where all of the intake specialists, I I came from the intake department in FMS. So we started a group and I think it really opened up the kind of silos that we were kept in at the beginning of COVID where it's like, hey, this is our department. This is what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, Alicia and Emily can go just talk to each other. Jennifer from Meals on Wheels, you know, we just, we know who to go to now when we're in the office and talk to face to face and just make it happen. And I have to say, Alicia and Emily's 
partnership in regards to helping us get our PDF filler up and running so we can have clients um, mm-hmm. do pre-screens and everything. It has just created so so much more efficiency within the department. So super thankful for them and their innovative ideas and how to make things flow and just ready to hit the ground running at any given time. Yeah. I love seeing I this. just love, like, you guys should just have a whole intake crew in here one day. Yes. That sounds like it would be too much fun. We'd probably get <laughs> little done. We'd have a lot of fun. Yeah. <laughs> and what, what's so so remarkable about, you know, the journey and doing the show and it takes a lot. And these are really, really sensitive things. You know, somebody on the other end who's waiting for departments to collaborate, that can be tough. But you look, it's it's together. It's efficient. You are breaking away from silos. But it's just so smooth and feels so collaborative. Mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not always flawless, but the intent and the desire to make it best for your clients. And that's what keeps coming out is it's for them. It's for them. It's for them. Like if we're, you know, we have issues with the paperwork internally, we figure that out, but the client doesn't see it. It's, you know, they're taken care of. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I love seeing the two of you shout out your teammates as well. I think that's really cool. Yeah. And then also just the fact that the intake, which I, this is learning for me because I am not in your departments or in, I guess, any specific department <laughs> considering getting be able to hear you talk about how they all work together not just, you know, it's the intake team that's kind of like doing that. So all the different departments, Meals on Wheels, you even included, you know, I think that's such a cool thing that everybody kind of comes together. Do they still like the intake team, I guess, if you will, do they meet or is it just kind of on a one-on-one thing at this point? It's turned more into like, oh, I have an update for you. I see you in the office now and tell gotcha. you. And, and, you know, I think that if, as these teams grow and new people come on, you know, it might be beneficial to help them put faces to names. Sure. Especially since we are in three offices total. And sometimes you are working with Petoskey or Cadillac and yeah, it's just, it's helpful in that regard. That's really cool. So before we start wrapping things up today, I have one last hearted hitting question for both of you. Allison, when you were here last on the podcast, Karen Emerson, our FMS manager, answered the question, stating her one wish would be that NMCAA was not the best kept secret in Northern Michigan. You didn't give an answer. So now I'm wondering that you had an opportunity (laughs) to think about it. What would your one wish be for FMS at NMCAA? Oh, pass. Pass. <laughs> a historic first. You know, that that's that's the gravitas of a returning guest. You know? Ask me next time. <laughs> no, I really think that I really, like I mentioned earlier, I want to be able to get to more people who are not in crisis and help them plan, help them, you know, connect to more resources, even if it's not something you directly need, you may find someone who needs this resource and just getting it out there where you don't have to be in crisis to see what we have to offer. Just give us a call. Okay. And Leah, what would your one wish for the Heath Department be? (laughs) You gave me some time to think about it and I still don't have an answer. Um, Honestly, my biggest wish really is just... More money for more funding funding to help repair people's homes. So many people come to us with different needs where, 
you know, there's water out for 12 years, or we have to restabilize a house from being slanted to back straight, you know, <laughs> up and down, right? And, yeah, it's uh, not meant to be an art piece. It needs to be I know, safe. Right? I mean, the inside of your home, of course, let, sure. yes, but, you know, well, we would like you to be able to close your doors, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, right. you know, if we could just have more stabilized funding, because our community development block grant program is what we utilized for most of these emergency home repairs. And those are dependent based on the payoffs that we receive in the previous year. So we never really fully know until the next program year how much money we are going to be working with for a given year. And once that money is out, it is out until the next program year. So, you know, there are programs in the pipeline that Mishta is working on, but, you know, more funding and you can donate to us by writing a check, coming into the office, going on our website, and you can pay via PayPal, debit or credit card. So, you know, helping with FMS or uh, the HEAST department. Yeah, yeah. I want to change mine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think it's okay to say we need money. Yeah. That, that's helpful yeah. because that part of it is is a reality, as is things like marketing and, yeah. and things like that. And, it's not a bad thing, but it's reality. And then increasing it, construction costs and everything and, you know, all the little things that go into it. It's not just the construction, it's the labor. It's, you know, filing for permits, recording the, you know, mortgage fees and everything like that. There's so many little bits and pieces that go into it. So um, anything that can help us help more clients, you know, have healthy and safe homes yeah. is really yeah, what I'm after. When you brought up Mishta, it... I thought of all of the great work they're doing to get more affordable housing Mm -hmm. into these communities. But just my line of work, my immediate thought is, what are you doing to prepare these people to get this inventory? And that's where I get very passionate about the resource of us, housing counseling. If you come to us before these are done and available and get financially prepared and ready to become a homeowner, to have your own rental, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. we can help you get there. And I guess that still works with the aspect of planning ahead, but yeah. I just, it's, there's a lot being done and it's exciting mm-hmm. to see the statewide housing plan yes. and all of the goals that the state is trying yeah, to Because there are bigger things uh, at work here too. There, There's work at the state level mm-hmm. going on that affects you. So be informed and help where you can, especially with money. Mm-hmm. because yeah. it's, it's okay. Mm-hmm. And the best ways to donate are through our website? Or yes. 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 Yeah, so. and I just learned what a donation request form was today. <laughs> <laughs> I was today years old. Yeah, so you can, if you want to submit a check, you can obtain a donation request form through our front desk. Great. Perfect. Desk. Perfect. And as you were talking, Leah, you had said the funding was your answer. So I remember when I first started, I sat down with the department leader, well, department leaders across the board and asked, and several of them had said that one of the biggest things they would wish for would be flexible funding. Yes. Yes. And so flexible funding, if, you know, the listeners don't know what that is, it's basically like funding that isn't tied into a grant that has all these restrictions and being the marketing manager a lot of our departments don't have money for marketing. And so I'm kind of at a standstill, if you will, because I can't really spend money to get the word out. So mm-hmm. welcome podcast. <laughs> <laughs> but at the, at the same time, we are you know, trying to get the word out on social media and any other way that we can for events and different things. So I think it's really interesting that funding is such a big thing. And obviously, like, you know, 
across the board, it's important, but really being able to spend money on things to get the word out, to get more clients, to help more people, I think is what the real long-term goal is. And I think that's really interesting. Oh, yeah. And it's, it is nice when we have funding available to assist our customers with, mm-hmm. with these short-term financial barriers. And so when there are more donations and unrestricted funds coming in, we can get that stress off of our customers' plate and help them focus on their larger housing goals. Right. Because the reality with grants is that it's not a catch-all at, at times. Sometimes yeah, there are things yeah. that you can and can't do with them, rightly so. Mm-hmm. And Yeah. I mean, with the, what is it? We have this one grant that we're administering called My Hope, and it's specifically for energy efficiency activities only. Whereas CDBG, Community Development Block Grant, Home Emergency Repairs, only. Or, you know, there's also one that we're currently in the midst of applying to where it focuses only on accessibility and visitability uh, tasks like creating wheelchair ramps and so on and so forth. So we're really confined. And sometimes, you know, people will have like a couple little odds and ends that need to be fixed up and everything. And it's like, well, what funding source can we kind of braid this with to see how we can make it work, right? And which is great that we have all these different programs, but if we just had that little, little gold pot. They're so creative too. I I literally can't take no for an answer whenever I can. I'm like, hey, Leah, can you guys do this for someone? Can you you paint a house, cut a tree down? (laughs) And these are the kind of conversations you're having on behalf of citizens in our community. Yes. Oh yeah. I I go to every resource possible to Mm -hmm. help someone. Mm -hmm. Like I'll even call out organizations too. If we're unable to help, then I will go and find other organizations that will uh, potentially step in and help. We have resource guides as well that we send out to clients with different ways to get help for every county. So yes, there. if we can't, then somebody else, you know, hopefully, of course. So not only are they both very intelligent in using all of their financial guru <laughs> information that I'm like way overwhelmed by, uh-huh. but they also are puzzle makers. They, they, they make all the puzzle pieces fit. Yeah. It sounds and like. by, uh, <laughs> <laughs> look at them <laughs> and no obstacle, no obstacle will be in the way. Well, uh, Leah Allison, this was inspiring, truly a Thank pleasure. You. Yeah. And hopefully you will come back and, and Leah, <laughs> we will have you come back another time. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you both for making the time to be here with us today. And, thank you and so much for having us. us. Yeah. Before we go, listeners, please take a moment to like, subscribe, follow, or share this podcast with a friend. It means a lot. Or leave us a comment or review. That means a lot as well. It all helps continue to spread the word about the good work NMCAA does in our community and for our fellow community citizens. And don't forget, we'd like to share your community stories regarding NMCAA. If you have a story you'd like to share about how NMCAA has impacted your life, send us an email at collectiveuspodcast at nmcaa.net. And if you would like to learn more about Northwest Michigan Community Action Agency or the programs we offer, or would like to make a donation, we encourage you to reach out at 231-947- 3780 or visit our website nmcaa.net and to our listeners today we encourage you to continue to strive each day to do something to help yourself or your neighbors